Spun creation is bright in adoration, treasures woven by his love. His careful hands they hold us safe within his promise, calling end of destiny. Woven by his love, his careful hands they hold us safe with. 
you this morning that whatever um, you feel is weighing down, just surrender to his goodness and watch him work because he's in a God for nothing. May we see your bigness this morning, God. May we see you for who you are. We just invite your goodness to come and reign over everything that opposes your goodness in our lives.
discouragement off, hopelessness off. Thank you, God, that you renew us just like every new day. the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. our chaos back into order who makes the orphan our son and daughter the king of glory the king above all kings who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in our love and brilliant Unfailing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, lay down your life, that I would be saved. 
was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave.
powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. So if there's power in that name, why don't we declare Jesus' name over whatever circumstance is distracting you right now or whatever you're thinking about in your life. So count of three, everybody say Jesus, because it's powerful. One, two, three. Jesus! Jesus. Jesus. We declare your power over this people, over this family, um, over everything in their lives that they're going back to, um, and everything right now. Declare the name of Jesus. Jesus and the blood of Jesus over our hearts, over our minds. Um, God, would you guard us? Help us, to, help us to follow you and be obedient in everything, in every part of life. service, as we learn about you, we learn about your name, um, your grace. Father, would your Holy Spirit continue to minister all the time, just in everything. Father, would you always be surrounding us, that we'd be aware of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. If you haven't already, why don't you take some time to, to get around and just to, to greet one another. Amen? Why don't we do that for a few moments? God bless you as you do that. Another minute. All right. All right. He's at.
Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome this morning to, Gla- or to, to Maple Street, Maple Street Worship Center. I don't know why, uh, yeah, I had a moment, I had a moment. My eyes are getting dimmer, trifocals, you can't tell, <laughs> I don't know why, yeah, it was like glad or something, glad tidings, what was it called? Yes, Maple Street. We've been in Alberta now long enough. We should be able to get, I should be able to get that straight. Well, if it's been a while, or if it's your first time, or it's been a long time, uh, we welcome you here this morning, and uh, trust that, uh, that you've enjoyed worshiping the Lord together. How many, how many uh, enjoyed worshiping the Lord together? I did. I did. And, um, yeah, it's absolutely correct. You know, the songs that we were singing this morning, um, it's just magnifying the Lord. Amen. And, and His grace and His love. Toward us, and I'm, we're going to look at a little bit about that uh, in a little bit here. But just a, a couple of things. I'm not going to um, definitely won't be belaboring the announcements, but just encouraged by the amount of water we've got for the fair for Thursday. I think. Uh, do we have a final, or do we have a, a number to like? Do we have an amount that we've got? About a hundred dozen, and our goal was ninety. Oh well, we've got it. So yeah. You should uh, you should th- uh, uh, give yourself a clap of uh, because uh, we've answered the call, amen, amen. So just to let any, if anybody doesn't know what that water is all about, that water um, we're going to be handing that out uh, at uh, the fair here on on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and how uh, I many know when you go to the fair you get if it's hot you get thirsty. Anybody ever get thirsty at the fair? And what is it, like two bucks or more for a bottle of water, right? Because when they get you on the fairgrounds, they got you. So uh, we're just going to bless people with water. And if anybody has a need in their life that they would uh, like us to pray for, we're going to be there, prayer at the fair. So it's an outreach, and it's a great way to connect with our community. And... uh, and we want to be able to do that. But we want to do that on an ongoing basis, too. Amen? You know, people have needs. And Carol has, oh, right there, two clipboards. And those two clipboards are going to be available. Will be after the service? Is that what we're going to do? So, so right, so after, after the service is over, you've got an announcement, Carol. This is an addition to the announcement that he just gave. So... We've been doing this prayer booth for four years now. This is our fourth year. We have prayed for many people who need prayer. We have given out water like you wouldn't believe. But, you see, Vegaville is thirsty and dry. They're thirsty and dry for more of the Spirit. Do you believe that? I can tell you it's true. I can tell you it's true because we've been praying. We've been seeing it. And you know what? I was just at the conference in Red Deer. It was a Holy Ghost conference. It was called the Rivers of Life, I do believe. Yes, I think so. Yeah, and, and it was called Angels on Assignment. That was the title. I heard so much about angels. 
And you know what? I've only got four people who've really said they would be committed to come to pray for this. I don't believe that's enough. I believe in angels, but I believe that Jesus needs some other hands on the job. Do you believe it? I believe that. So I have got two clipboards here. If you have already given me your name to pray, then I would like you to fill in your times. Because we're there for three days. We're going to increase the time you're there. It's going to be a four-hour shift for you. I know you can do it. So we're going to have people sign up on these sheets. But I've also included a second sheet. Now, this is not a cop-out. If you say, I'll pray, it's not a cop-out. Because we need the people to pray. We need the people to pray. That is our first priority. Two or three people can be intercessors, but we need the intercessors. We need the intercessors following us up and praying for us while we're there. Because you see, I believe this year we're going to see mighty things. Because at the conference, the word was given that this is the year that God is intersecting the prophetic words. This body of believers right here, this is the 40th year that this church has been alive and doing well. There's something very significant about 40 years. <laughs> Ed would be able to tell you that. But this is the 40th year, and we are going to begin, we are going to latch on to those prophetic words. There were many of them. We were told that this was going to be the center of revival. We were told that this is going to have a healing mantle. I believe I'm going for it. This year, 2018, the 40th year that this church has been alive, I'm going for that. I'm going for that mantle. This year, I have a scripture verse, but it's back at the back. This year, we are going to see people healed, set free, delivered. We're going to see mighty things. We are going to, I believe that. I want you to, I want your spirit to stir up a little bit and start to believe that with me. Because you are part of that. Everyone that's sitting here is part of that. We are part of that promise. All his promises are yes and amen. Every single one of them. Do you remember the first day of the year in this church and I sang that song? You know what? That song has been just reverberating within my spirit. This is the year. This is the year. All the promises are yes and amen. Amen and amen. So one of the stories about angels is I'm going to tell you this. There is um, a mighty man of God. I think his name was Elisha in the Bible now. And he was with a young prophet. Please correct me, Pastor, if I'm wrong. He was with a young prophet, and the armies were coming against them. Mighty, mighty armies. The armies were coming. It was just the two of them. When we go to the Fairbrook, there might only be two of them. And we're, we're marching into the enemy camp. We're going right there where the enemy abides in the, in the fair. So this young prophet was quivering in his boots, and Elisha said to him, he said to God, open his eyes and let him see. Open his eyes and let him see. And there was mighty hosts of angels all around, all around, hundreds of angels. So today I'm going to call forth mighty host of angels. I'm just feeling in my spirit that there's going to be angels around us. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him.
And we are going to see that at the fair. I want you to be there. I want you to be there. I'm going to be at the back. I'm going to have these sheets, and I'm going to commission you all to go and preach the gospel. Yes. Go and tell. The blind will see. The lame will walk. The lepers will be cleansed. And the deaf ear, the dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. The poor will have the gospel preached to them. They are thirsty and dry. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm just going to declare. Come on, you guys. Wake up. Come on. (laughs) We're going to pray over this water. I want you all to agree. If you feel like you want to come and lay hands on this water, we're going to pray over this water. We're going to say that this water is going to be the answer to the thirsty and dry at the fair. But not only the natural thirst, but also the spiritual thirst. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare an anointing upon this water. I say, Father, come. Come by your spirit, Father. Touch this water. Let people who get this water feel the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Let them strive and come and want more of your spirit. Father, we declare in the name of Jesus that people will be set free. People will be set free. People will be healed. People will be delivered. Father, we have seen. I remember one lady that we prayed for, and we prayed for her for two years. She was given a diagnosis of pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer is one of the worst cancers that you will ever come across. And for two years, she came for prayer. And I still see her walking about and doing 100%. So I declare, Father, in the name of Jesus, that we're going to eradicate even cancer in that place. We are going to pray hands. We're going to lay hands on people. And we are going to pray for people who have cancer in that place. We are going to speak the mighty word of God. God is our God. He is the God who delivers, sets free, heals the sick, raises the dead, cleanses the lepers, and brings deaf ears alive again. Father, we want that. We want that in Vegarville, Father God. So we are going out. We are going out. We're going forth behind your name, Lord, the name that has more power than anybody can. And we sang about it, the wonderful name of Jesus, the power in the name of Jesus, the faithfulness of Jesus, the faithfulness of Jesus over this church. Father, we are going forth. We are going forth as a mighty army, Father. And even if there's only two in that prayer group, Father, we are declaring that there's going to be angels surrounding us, and there's going to be an outpouring of your spirit like never before. So I see it. I want it. Don't hesitate to sign up because if you've never done this before, it's time. God is equipping the saints because we're going forth into a different season. September, they September. There's going to be changes. So God is equipping the church. The church is the answer. So let's do it. Let's do it. Amen. Amen. God. I just want to mention um, uh, just the kind of piggyback, not so much on the prophecy, but on, on just the, the concept that, uh, you know, God has been doing amazing things, miracles, all through church history. And one thing I've been learning is that you really can't put God in a box. Some people have an idea of, of how things get done, but I just want you to know that He gets it done. He gets it done. And uh, we just don't know. We just don't know when someone picks up one of those bottles of water what they're going to feel. We have no idea. 
We have no idea. We have no idea that just because we prayed over those water and those water are there that somebody could get healed just because we prayed over the water. God does things that we don't even figure out. We try to figure it out. We try to analyze it and we weigh it and we bottle it. We label it and we put it through all the battery tests and try to figure out how God does it. But he does, he does it in so many different ways. Well, just when you think you get him figured out, he changes the way he's going to do it. But he... But the, the, the point is, is that God is still God who does miracles. He's a God who does miracles because he's all-powerful. No limits. He's outside of space, time, and matter because he made it. He's not subject to it. It's no problem for, for him. He can just speak and it happens. He can think it. Right? Cancer. That's, that's a hard thing for us. Not hard for God. That's easy. That's easy. Put a, have a spleen removed and, and, and a woman feels a spleen or something wiggling in her chest and the doctors check it out and there's a new spleen. How'd that get there? Doctors, medical doctors, physicians with their child right in their arms feeling the child's hip come back into the right placement, Right? right as they're holding their child. Medical doctors in the presence of God, and they know God did it. There is medically verified miracles, folks, in the world. So you just never know what's going to happen. And, and uh, I'm just excited about uh, when, when you hear testimonies. I love testimonies. I love testimonies of what God does, and I think it builds up our faith it gives us the courage just to continue praying, to continue pressing in, to continue to believe, and to continue to move into action. And I believe the church needs to be in action. Don't you think this morning, amen? That, that we are, we're, I mean, this is wonderful to come together to worship, and it's wonderful to come to, together and be encouraged and built up and edified and strengthened and comforted as we worship and as we spend time together as, as, the, as the church. But the church needs to recognize that we are an instrument in the hands of God to go forth to do that which he has called us to do, and that is to be in the reality of his kingdom, his, his rulership, his leadership, his kingship. And, and all of those things are signs that he is here. And it is here. So whenever someone is healed, whenever someone experiences something supernatural, it's because the king is here. And the kingdom is here. The rule and the reign of God. How many are glad you serve the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords? And there's nothing he cannot do. There's nothing he can't accomplish. I'm just excited. So we need to expect great things, amen? Because we serve a big God. Amen, amen. Well, that's not my message this morning, although you can take that. That's good. I'm, I'm uh, kind of wound up now. But I uh, just want to make a, a reference to, of course, on Tuesday night, we're gathering for prayer. Um, we do want to make a special point of, of praying over the fair, praying over that initiative. So at 7, we're going to meet for um, worship and, and, and to pray over that and uh, pray for those who are praying as well and involved directly. Um, I'm not going to take time to mention everything that's in the bulletin. Please take the time to read that. Just wanted to highlight that uh, very point. And uh, going to take the time now as we worship the Lord in our giving, uh, as we uh, worship the Lord in our tithe and offering, I'm going to ask our ushers to come at this time. 
and worship the Lord in that way. And then following, of course, the message this morning, we're going to be uh, calling the worship team back. They've got a great song uh, on the very end that uh, emphasizes the sacrifice that Jesus made as we, as we come around the table. Amen? I'm not sure if you, many of you uh, recognize this or know, know of this, but that was one of the things that drew the, the Christians, the early Christians together, was to gather around uh, the, the communion. But every time they got together on the Lord's Day, it was to celebrate. It was a celebration of not so much the death of Jesus, but the resurrection and what that promises to us. And so we're going to put that on the screen this morning. Let's pray together. As we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven open, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitation, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations, anointings, giftings, and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. Thank you, Father, as I join my value system to yours. You will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me so that I may have more than enough to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you as you give. Amen. Now, I recognize that many might use their pads or their phones or whatever, but whatever way that you uh, are able to access Ephesians. If you could go there this morning, Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians 1. And as we do that, I just, uh, right now we're taking a break from our treehouse and our nursery for the month of August to give some of the workers uh, a break. And we're grateful for their efforts to work with the children. And uh, I just happened to see this week Jeremiah Rabel, who works at our district office, uh, posted a very interesting blog article uh, referring to children. It's children that drive their parents to church today. Did you know that? Yeah, you can even be five years old, and you can drive your parents to church. And that seems to be the trend, that it's not so much the parents bringing the kids, it's the kids are bringing the parents. And it just so happened that I was uh, looking at that, and I saw a response on Facebook, and it said that uh, it was Susan Wells had indicated that her, that's what happened to her husband. Her, her children, her and her husband's children, they were, they were uh, the ones who were instrumental in their dad, David, uh, coming to church. I'm not sure if you know who David Wells is, but he happens to be our general superintendent. Very interesting fact that uh, if it hadn't been for his kids, maybe he wouldn't be serving as the leader of an 1,100 church fellowship all across the nation. But it's amazing that uh, even, even the, the children will lead them, right? Amen? The little children. So that's the power that, that can be unleashed through the Lord in, in, in the lives of children. Just wanted to put that in there. I thought that was a really interesting tidbit. So this morning, um, 
Ephesians chapter 1, and I think I got a, just a title slide there. Ephesians chapter 1. And we're not going to look up the entire chapter, but we'll just start here, reading here. Ephesians 1. We're just going to read down through a few of the verses here. It says that Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he has chosen us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one that he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And with all wisdom and understanding is made known to us the mystery of his will, according to good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. We're going to stop right there. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that is there. It is your word. It is truth. Jesus said thy word is truth. And may, Lord, this morning that truth, may we grab a hold of that. May you reveal something to us today. May something just explode in our hearts that we would be able to grab a hold of that and, and just cling to it and recognize just how good and just how wonderful you are. Thank you, Lord, for, um, for sending your son. And thank you, Lord, today that we can be together in this way, in the freedom that we have, to worship you as a collective body and to lift up your name and to celebrate what you have done for us. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 There was a, a story of a guy who was on Skid Row. He was, he was, sent, he was uh, scheduled to, to, for the death penalty. And unfortunately, this man had gotten into a lot of trouble to get to where he was. And, uh, you know, he, was, he, was, he had gotten into a lot of trouble, committed crimes, got into drugs, and so on and so forth. And here he was, uh, and, and at the end of everything, he, he, had, he, had, uh, he had suffered the death penalty. And he died not knowing that he was actually very rich. Not realizing that he actually had, they found out later on, and he didn't know this, but there was a trust fund set aside for him in the sum of $4 million. But he didn't know it. He didn't know it. And when I think of that fact, I think of that story, I think of... The fact that there's a lot of believers today, they, they don't really understand how rich we really are. I'm not sure if you recognize this morning, but Paul made a statement in this text where he said to the believers in Ephesus, in fact, he didn't just call them believers, he didn't just call them Christians. I want you to notice one of the things that he said to them, he said he called them saints. He called them saints. He said this, looking at verse uh, one again, he says, to God's holy people, and, and, and what that means, holy ones, it means saints. He called them saints in, in, in the scriptures. Now, some people have this idea that in order to be a saint, you really got to be somebody. You really need to be an extraordinary person. And so there's uh, a church traditions that they, they find these extraordinary people, and they, they label them as saints. And they even get to the place where they think, well, man, if they were close to God, 
while they lived on planet Earth, surely once they're gone, they must be even closer. And so they even elevate them even higher than that. They, 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 are, they, they put them into sainthood. And I want you to know this morning that I'm kind of guessing that in the church that Paul was writing to, and Paul's writing from prison, by the way, and here Paul is excited to share with the Ephesians just how rich they are because of their position that they have now are in in Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying that they're saints. And so this morning, I think we could probably, if we look at the profile of Ephesus, I want you to know this morning Paul never wrote a letter to a church because all the churches were perfect. Did you know that? Usually the purpose and occasion for Paul's letters is that there was some problems in the church. There might have been character problems. There might have been lifestyle issues. Maybe their theology was a little off the mark. Maybe there were those who were false teachers trying to slither in and get them off on the wrong track. And Paul would bring correction and bring guidance. And sometimes Paul would even be a little on the sarcastic side. But one interesting thing is, if you notice in Ephesians, in the, in the Ephesus church, I truly believe that probably there were those who might have been new believers in the church. There might have been some people who were seasoned believers. They, they were more rooted and grounded in their faith than others. And I'm sure that there were probably some people who were struggling with some issues in their life. They hadn't gotten it all figured out yet. They hadn't, you know, they're not perfect people, but Paul calls them saints. And can I think that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, no matter whether you're a new believer or a seasoned believer or whether you are someone who's struggling with some issues, I want you to understand that Paul would probably say, if he was writing to the church here today, he would probably write to the saints in Vegreville. To the saints in Vegreville. Look along the, look at the person alongside you and say, I am a saint. Yeah, you're a saint. You're a saint. Your wife or husband might not think you are a saint. But from God's perspective here this morning, from God's perspective, and that's one of the interesting things, is that he is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he is looking from a heavenly perspective. What would God say about us this morning? What would he say? And I believe that he was seeing them the way that God sees them as holy ones. Not because of what they've done. Not because of the good things they've done. Some people think that, man, if I can just give money to the church, if I can just put in a stained glass window, if I can just do this or do that, then somehow then I will get on God's good side. I will win brownie points with God. But I want you to know this morning, it's not because of what you or I have done, but it is what Jesus has done for us. Amen? It's what he has done for us. It's because of Jesus, because of Christ. And see, we can't boast in our works. Paul told them that we are saved by grace through faith, not by works lest anyone will boast. It doesn't mean that we don't do good things afterwards. We should because we've been changed, amen? But our righteousness, Paul tells us in Romans, is not of our own doing. But the righteousness that we have is credited to our account. Amen? It's credited to your account. Paul talks about Abraham and his faith in God, and he said that he had faith in God. What did he do? He credited it to his account. But before we come to Jesus, spiritually, you are bankrupt. Amen? 
I got some amens there, making sure you're with me. We're bankrupt. In fact, we're very deep in debt. Very deep in debt. But what's amazing is, is that when we reach out to Jesus and we accept him as our Lord and our Savior, he credits his right, he puts his righteousness into our spiritual bank account. And then all of a sudden, you go from being really deep in debt to going, boom, way into black. So you're billions, you and I are billions in debt. But now we are like, we are the richest people on planet Earth. We are richer than the Queen of England with all of her crown jewels. We are richer than Bill Gates. We are richer than whoever's running Apple right now with a trillion dollar business in the world. I want you to know we are rich because Paul says that we are recipients of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. Woo! Every, not 99%, not 99 and 44 one hundredths, like ivory soap, 100% every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. Now, that means you and I are rich, not because of the clothes you wear or the car you drive or the house that you live in. Or the property that you might have. Because there are people in this world, and I have heard of them, I've heard of people who have seen that they had the world on the tail. They had fame, they had fortune, they had money, they had all what the world would be given to them. But they ended up taking their life for some reason. I don't know why, but perhaps it's because there was a God-shaped void in their life and it never got filled. Folks, if you've got that God-shaped void and Jesus is fulfilling that area in your life, you are rich. We are rich. Hallelujah. It's because we're in a new position. Not a financial position. In a new spiritual position. Amen? Mm. Woo! Jesus, you think, you think that there's people out there like, like these here, uh, oh, you know, those companies or those, those people that try to help people get out of the of debt and all that sort of stuff. Well, I want you to know Jesus is the one who gets us out of spiritual debt. Hallelujah. He puts us into a new position. I'm with a new position. How many know when you get into a different position, there's perks to that position? Hallelujah. You get perks. Now, when my parents used to go in Lockport to the local drugstore, and if you bought something from there, they'd give you this little, like a little uh, certificate Almost like it was a dollar, and they called it a perk. They called it a perk, so you could apply it to your next purchase. Well, I know we got something better than that. Amen? I remember when I worked at Clearwater, and when I was working in Clearwater Fine Foods for about almost eight years, every, every time I went to work, I would go in and I would pick up, you ever see a, a, a Jonah crab? I don't like seafood. A Jonah crab. Well, this, these were crabs, a shell, top shell boat that big. Claws were pretty good, by the way. And we would go in, and our job on a, sta a stainless steel rod was to take that crab and make sure that when you grabbed a hold of it, he didn't pinch you. I got one of my fingers pinched. It, it doesn't feel good. And, and, and sometimes for hours. I remember one week, it was 50 hours just bashing crabs. Bashing crabs day after day after day. Bashing crabs, popping off the top shelf, cutting them in half, scrubbing them up, 
putting them on the conveyor belt. Same thing. Crab after crab, wharf box after wharf box. Exciting. No. Repetitious, boring, mundane, Ugh, bad. But then I got a job over in the other department, and through a series of circumstances, the production manager over there in the scallop plant asked, said, hey, Steve, I know you're going away on vacation to PEI, but could you come over to my office? And I thought, oh, boy, I'm in trouble. So he comes over and he says, you know, we've been needing somebody to take over supervising the night shift, and uh, wonder if you consider it. And I said, well, can I let you know when I get back? Sure. So I left, went away to Prince Edward Island, Cavendish Beach, Anna Green Gables, all that wonderful stuff. Came back, accepted the job, and all of a sudden now, because I was in a different position, I had different perks. For example, they gave me key before. One of the keys was, I got a key to the front gate, and I could open up the gate, and I could close the gate. I had control about who could go in and who could go out. Oh, that's kind of cool. And then I got a, a key to the freezer. Now, we're not talking about a freezer on top of a refrigerator here. We're talking about a warehouse that was very cold, where there were thousands and thousands of pounds of white, clean scallops just waiting for somebody to put them in a frying pan. And I mean, there was, prod there was millions of dollars worth of product in that freezer. And I had a key to the freezer. Of course, I had a responsibility. I had to make sure it was open when we needed it to be and closed and locked up when we left. I also got a key to the production manager's office. I could go in and have access to the computer and know all of the inventory in the plant. I knew what was coming and what was going. And the reason I had that perk was because I had changed my position. Anybody ever find that in life, that there's times when you get a change of position and all of a sudden now you get access to things you never got before? You're with me, are you with me? Perfect, good. So there's perks. Perks. And they come with the position. Like we know when you, with the Prime Minister of Canada, how many know he's got perks? Anybody know that? How about $10,000 toilet seats? The keys to 24 Sussex Drive. How about uh, private jets and vacations on taxpayers' money? He's got perks, don't he? Now, he might not be very happy about the perks that he has, but he has them nonetheless. And it's the same way with us. Now, folks, we might not have keys to a factory, or we might not have keys to 24 Sussex Drive, but how many understand this morning that we just read a bunch of perks, we'll call them, because of who we are now in Jesus Christ. And it's awesome. It's awesome. And I want to just highlight a few of those things as we go down. I'm not going to spend a million years on each one. I'm just going to highlight them this morning because, to me, it's, it's really cool and really exciting. Look what he says in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, and we've mentioned that before, in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in, in Christ. And here he begins to go on, and we can see some of these things. Four, he chose us in him before the creation of the world. 
Just stop right there for a minute. He chose us. How many know it feels good when you're chosen? Anybody ever play sports in school? Who got picked first? Lift your hand. Who got picked somewhere in the middle? Lift up your hand. You got picked somewhere in the middle. No. How many got picked last? Oh, look at that. Praise God, I don't feel so alone. I remember the sixth grade. And we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And you just see one going here and one going there. And because there's two captains for the ball hockey team. And, and all of a sudden you're looking around. It's just you and, 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 and uh, the other guy here. And you're thinking you're cooler than he is. And then he goes before you do because you're the shortest one. Yeah. I remember warming the grass. Not the bench. It was the grass during junior high soccer. <laughs> we never got to play very much. I remember they were doing a, a uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was the last day. It was the last day in his grade seven. And they were doing a scavenger hunt. And on their list of things to collect was somebody under five feet tall. And all of a sudden when they knew what they had to get, I just saw all the eyes looking at me. Next thing I know, it was like, run for your life because the whole school is chasing you. <laughs> I got picked early that time. <laughs> oh. But isn't it something to think that before God created the world, before Genesis 1, verse 1, hallelujah, he had you in mind. Do you know that? He had us in mind. We've heard, have you heard the song that when he was on the cross, I was... It wasn't just when he was on the cross, folks. It was before he even laid the foundations of the world that he had drafted you. He had chosen you. Oh, that should increase. If anybody got problems with self-esteem, I want you to know that that's amazing that God, the creator of the universe, the one who's all-powerful, who made you, has picked you. He handpicked you. Hallelujah. In him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in his love. In his love, he predestined. Now that's not to say that, oh God is just, you know, okay, you know, you're one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. Okay. All the people who are one are going to heaven. All the people who are two are taking the elevator down. That's not how it works. God in his foreknowledge knew what we were going to do, how were we going to respond to his love and his grace. But in his love, in his love, he's predestined us. It says, for adoption. Adoption. How many know that Jesus is the unique son of God? He's unique. Only begotten of the Father. And so that's a very unique, very special thing. And, but it's interesting that Paul says that he's chosen us to be adopted, adopted, adopted. Yeah. Not by birth, but by, by adoption. And what's interesting in that is I was listening to, or I, I listened to a video. I don't know if anybody's ever heard uh, about you know, letters from Katie. Does that sound familiar? 
letters from Katie. Well, Katie was, Katie went on a, on a trip over to Uganda. She's from the southern U.S. Katie went on a trip to Uganda. And she, when she graduated high school, she intended to go back. And she went, and she, she went back to Uganda, and she began to work with orphan children. And through a series of circumstances, this young lady, not even married yet, adopted as her own. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was 14 girls. She chose them. She adopted them to be her own. She would be their mom. And she would take care of them because there were, it wasn't that there weren't children that didn't have some parents. There was children that did, some that didn't. But they had needs. They had, they needed food. They needed clothing. They needed water. They needed education. They needed to know that God loved them. And this young lady from southern U.S. adopted as her own 14 little girls. Of course, uh, when she found her husband-to-be, he instantly had 14 daughters. Good luck paying for their weddings. But it was a beautiful picture, folks. It was a beautiful picture of what God has done for us. God, who has seen that we are in great need of forgiveness and His love, has came not just from, from glory. Amen? The, the, Jesus stepped out of the glory of heaven to come to planet earth, God in the flesh, with the plan that we could be included into his family, adopted. But I like what Paul goes on to say when he says adopted, not as second rate in the family. Sometimes when a, children who are adopted come into a family, they feel like, wow, you know, I if there's other children that were of those parents and, and, and I'm not really their child by birth, they feel like they're second rate. And there's even believers who feel that, you know, I'm not as good as somebody else across the, the church building. You know, they're, they're, they got everything together and I'm still struggling. I'm still going through this. I'm still going through that. I haven't got this figured out. I haven't beat this habit and sometimes we ourselves up feeling like we are second rate in the family. But Paul doesn't tell us that. Paul says that we've been adopted to sonship, which means in the Roman world, it meant that you had the full legal rights as though you were a child by birth. The full legal rights and a full status. You remember the story of the prodigal son? Remember that? Luke 15, the prodigal son. For those that might not remember, I'll give you the, quick, the short version. Son decides, Dad, I want uh, my inheritance today. You're living, but I want it now. He goes off to a far country. He spends his time on wild living, comes to the end of his money, finds him very destitute, and comes to the place where he realizes he's got nothing. Nothing but feeding pigs in the pig pen. What is he going to do? And so he decides that he'll go back to his father's house. Maybe dad will make me a servant. He'll hire me and make me a servant. But what does the son do? The son goes back. The father sees him a long way off. He runs through the son. He puts his arms around him. And he gives him the robe. He gives him the ring. He puts sandals on his feet. He reinstates him into full sonship. 
See, the son had it in his mind. Well, maybe dad could make me a hired servant. Maybe because then I'd have enough to eat. I'd have a decent place to sleep. Life would be better than it is where it is right now. But he comes back, and what does the father do? He throws his arms around him. He kisses him. He embraces him. He gives him everything. Son, you're not a servant. You are my son. Can I suggest this morning there's no second-rate citizens in the kingdom of God? doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter what you've, what you've did. Oh, but you don't know me, Pastor. Well, listen, God knows you, and he still loves you anyway. And if he's speaking to your heart, and you haven't given your life to him, and he's speaking to your heart, and you know the Holy Spirit is because is, you, you're... you're your, your, your heart's beating in your chest like this and your, your hands are getting a little sweaty and you just know that the Spirit of God is all over you. He's calling you. He's drawing you. He's saying, come in my, he come home. He's saying, come home. I want you in my family. I want you to be adopted by me. I want you to be in as a full son, full daughter. That's a blessing, isn't it? Is that a blessing? Because he, when, when, when you become the child of not the Queen of England, but the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. How many know that, that you, you've stepped into a t- totally different position? You can't attain this position by clawing, digging for silver and gold in this world. Amen? You can't obtain that by getting degrees, having as many degrees as a, as a thermometer. You can't get it by being famous. You can't get it by being a Hollywood starlet or a rock star. You can't get it. The only one that gives it to you is, 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 is God himself through Jesus. As it says, he's predestined us for adoption of sonship through Je- to Jesus Christ in accordance with his good pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have, what does it say? We have redemption. In him we have redemption. And so what does it mean? It means that he has paid, he has paid the price for our ransom. Before Jesus, we were held at ransom. There was an enemy who was holding everything into bondage and captivity, and we were in the prison. Amen? In fact, the whole world is still waiting for its liberation. And one of these days when Jesus comes, comes because it's already been started, things are being set free now. Whenever somebody gets a healing, folks, it's being set free from the curse of sin, the curse of the enemy, amen? The thing that he wants us to be captive to, Jesus breaks it. He's breaking chains. He's opening doors, setting people free. And when we come to Jesus, what does he do? He comes and he pays the price. You know how much you are worth? You're worth the death of God himself. Woo! Man, think about it for a moment. For you to be adopted to to, to be God's son or daughter, Jesus, God in the flesh, had to die on our behalf. He had to die to pay the ransom. Amen? So he has redeemed us. He has set us free. No longer are we to be slaves of sin and of the devil. No, sir. He set us free, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And we need to praise Him and love Him and worship Him for the great freedom that He has gained for us. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Wasn't it a blessing? Oh, 
man, this is good. I'm just, I think I'm preaching myself happy here. Oh, I'm preaching myself. I don't know if you're happy or not, but I, I'm getting something out of this this morning, so I'm really going to enjoy communion service afterwards. Really going to enjoy it. Look what it says a little further on. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. Some people got problems with receiving forgiveness from God. Did you know that? Anybody ever here ever struggle with God's grace? With God's grace? I have in my life. Because I was brought up in a legalistic system where you thought you had to get saved every time the church doors is open because you always messed up somewhere along the way. Monday morning came and because you, you was at the altar on Sunday night, right? And you went and you made things right with God and you got everything under the blood. And then, and then Monday morning comes and within five minutes of being awake, you, you, you blow it. And I had an issue with that. I had a trouble trying to figure that out. But I recognized later down the road, I was kind of blessed. I read this book, and it was a real blessing to me, and I began to realize, like, wow, God's grace is, is the ice is a little thicker than I thought it was. Because I thought that God's grace was like a thin layer of ice, and you could just at any moment just fall through that thin layer. But I want you to know that God's grace is a little stronger than we thought. It's a little more amazing than what I recognized. In Matthew 18... In verses 23 to 27, we find that, that God, Jesus himself, is giving a little bit of an explanation of forgiveness here. And we talked about debt earlier, and, and he says in verse 23 in, 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 uh, in that chapter, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants. And he began to settle the settlement, and a man who owed him 10,000 talents, and they say that's about, a talent is... is uh, it's quite a lot of money. We're talking probably millions, billions of, of dollars. Ten million dollars. There you go. Ten million bucks. Who's got ten million dollars in your back pocket? If you do, we'll have a chat after the service. I have some interesting ideas. You're awake. That's good. So since he was not able to pay the master, what the master ordered, or excuse me, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. So he put him into slavery. So this guy, like I mentioned before, talking about ourselves, this guy is absolutely bankrupt. There is no way, no way he's going to be able to pay back the, pay back the, the, the amount. In verse 26, look what it says. It says, The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. So he's not only a thief, but he's now getting religious. Be patient with me. Be patient with me. Verse 27, the master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt, and he let him go. Would you do that? If you had somebody who stole from you, and stole, you had a business, and, and somebody stole from you, and they stole millions of dollars from you would, you, would you have somebody come along to you and say, oh, I'm really, really sorry, I'll work hard to repay the millions of dollars that I stole, and w would you just say, oh, that's okay, I'm going to forgive you, I'm going to cancel it, you're forgiven. How many would do that? Lift your hand up. I don't see anybody here doing that. 
Can I tell you that that's what Jesus does for us, is that when we come to him, when we come to him, and we owe, like I said before, in debt, he just cancels that debt. When we come to him, we say, Jesus, we are sorry for what we've done. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for how I've treated people. I'm sorry how I've treated you. I've ignored you. I haven't lived for you, but Lord, would you forgive me? Would you help me turn my life around? Help me to serve you and follow you and love you all my days? Could you help me do that? And guess what he does? He just cancels the debt and sets us free. He cancels the debt and he sets us free. And I remember singing a little song we used to sing in our, in our church in Lawport. It just said this. It said, paid in full by the blood of the Lamb, free from sin, free to live, now I am. And on that page where my sins were written down, it says, paid in full by the blood of the Lamb. I don't know about you this morning, but I think that's a fantastic blessing of God. That we can know that our sins have been forgiven. So he's chosen us, he's adopted us, he's redeemed us, he's forgiven us. Woo! But he's, been forg- he's forgiven us. I-, I like this part here. Where Paul says, he says, he says, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Man, I should have been reading that part when I thought grace was, was thin ice. Sounds to me like God is rich in grace. How many have ever had the idea that God's just waiting to zap somebody? Just waiting for them to do something wrong, and all of a sudden God's going to throw a lightning bolt and just fry somebody. Well, here's what I'm seeing, what Paul's saying. He's in in God's grace. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. You see, he could have saved us out of the riches of his grace. But it's interesting that he says he, 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 um, he saved us according to. Not out of, but according to the riches of his grace. Because that's an interesting way of putting it now. I don't know about you, but you know that changes everything? I mean, what if, what if I gave you some money out of my... If I had $10,000 in my bank account and I could, I could give you something out of my bank account, I could give you some money out of, we'll say, we'll make it a million so we'll call it riches, okay, out of the riches of my account. So I could give you 100 bucks. You probably think that's all right. Most people would. Even $1,000 wouldn't break me, would it? Because I got a million in there. It's gaining interest. So I've just given you money out of the riches of my grace or my, of, of, my, of my wealth. They say that uh, Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller, that he would like to, uh, like to dress up in a suit and a top hat and have his picture taken. And then he would give a young guy for taking his picture, he'd give him a dime. Of course, it was a bit of money in those days. But all Rockefeller was doing what I was said what I was going to do myself, and that was giving out of. Because a dime wasn't much to him, not when you're a millionaire. 
But I want you to know that that's not how God has saved us. That's not how God gives his grace to us. The difference is he gives it according to, it's according to the measure of his, the riches of his grace. And I like what John tells us, and even Paul tells us, when you, when you, when you go to, I believe it is, it is uh, let me just get there for a second, I'll read this to you. See what, this is what John says, he says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. And the grace that he's lavished on us. You know what lavish means? Anybody know what lavish is? Help me out here. Oh, there we go. Pour out greatly. Here we go. Pour out greatly. Yeah. Yeah. Just think about that. He's just not throwing you a little bone here. He's not just throwing you a little. He's pouring it out liberally on you. So when we are saved, friends, he is pouring it out. It's like when Aiden would take the top off of the maple syrup and put it on his pancakes. I can tell you in all confidence, because I'm an eyewitness to it, that he liberally, lavishly poured out the syrup on his pancakes. Oh, yeah. Elizabeth likes to take the ketchup, the French's ketchup bottle. I think we get more ketchup in the garbage than we do in her tummy because she loves to put lots of ketchup on her plate. It's like she's having French fries with her ketchup. Me, I would have put a little dollop, maybe get a little bit extra if I needed it, but no, sir. There's so much into ketchup and maple syrup that they're just going to put it all over that plate and they're just going to dump it all over the pancake. Folks, I want you to know this morning that if you're in Christ, you have experienced the riches of his grace and his love. You are rich. You are rich. We are rich. Whoo! We are rich. He has poured out until, look, folks, I want you to know that it cost, it cost the Lord everything to set us free. It cost him the blood of his precious son so that we can enjoy the blessings that Paul had mentioned to us. How many are glad this morning as we stand, we call back the worship team. I just want to encourage you this morning. I preach myself happy. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm feeling pretty good now. Amen. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good because in Jesus we've been chosen. We've been adopted. We ain't second-rate citizens in the family of God. Amen. We've been redeemed. We have been set free. We have been forgiven. And he has poured out upon us his love and his grace. And it's not just a dollop. It's liberal. It's much. It's He lavished it. 
Hallelujah. And folks, I want you to know, it reminds me of when the woman went in to Simon's house, Simon the Pharisee. And because of her understanding of what Jesus had done for her, she took an expensive, very expensive, fragrant perfume. It could have been sold to give give money and take care of the poor, but I want you to know that because she experienced that same love, that same grace, she experienced the grace of God in such a powerful and such a liberal fashion that she took that perfume and she poured it all over Jesus' feet and she anointed him. Why? Because she she was reciprocating as best she possibly could. It was a demonstration of her love. It was a demonstration of her gratitude. And folks, when we praise God, when we come together as a church and we praise Him, we lift our hands and we lift our voices. And not only that, but when when we go forth from this place and Monday through Saturday and we endeavor to draw close to Him and we get into the Word of God and we do good to those who mistreat us and we pray for those who may think that we, are, that we hate them or enemies. I want you to know that when we do those things, we worship Him and we, 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 we recognize, Lord, thank You so much for setting me free. Thank You so much for loving me. But I want to do the same for those who might not even love me, might not even love you. Folks, this morning, I trust that you will not go away looking at yourself in the mirror the way you always have. But you'll look in, you'll look in the mirror each and every day and you'll recognize, ah, because of who I am in Jesus. I'm chosen. He didn't pick me last. He picked me before he even made the world. He's redeemed me. I've been adopted. I'm in his family. I'm not second rate. No, sir. I've got the robe of righteousness on me. I've got a ring. I've got sandals on my... I'm free. Sandals on your feet. You are free. Amen. Hallelujah. The ring of the family, the signet ring of the family. Hallelujah. That's who you are. That's who I am. Hallelujah. You're in the kingdom of God. And it's a kingdom that will never end. Oh, we're going to rule and reign. You are destined to reign. Do you know that? You might not be a member of parliament. No, you might not be on the town council. You got something better waiting for you. We are destined to reign with the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. What a great hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise His name. Celebration. Hallelujah. Why? Because our Jesus is alive. We too will live. And we will live and we will reign with Him forevermore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got some perks this morning because you got a different position. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise His name. Praise his name. Hallelujah. Well, worship team, lead us. Lead us, Caleb. Oh, I can't.
Ask the ushers to come up if they would at this time. I'm going to need uh, at least a, four to come. Thank you. And we're going to serve up communion this morning. I want you to know this morning this is a celebration. This is uh, this is a this is a celebration of what God has done for us that we can obtain the riches. Glorious inheritance. We are heirs. Did you know that? We are heirs and co heirs with Christ. Everything that's going to be His <laughs> is ours too. And we get to share in that this morning. So let's share with the uh, around the table this morning. We're going to ask the ushers that they're going to distribute the elements as we celebrate together. Hallelujah. Is there anyone else this morning that might need something that's gluten-free? Anyone need gluten-free? We're equipped with that too, so I can deliver. Okay, I think we're good. 
That's right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we are no longer enemies of God, but we are at your table. We're at your table of fellowship. We're at your table of celebration. And Lord, I think of times when you would go and you would pull up a chair with those who others didn't want to have anything to do with them. They were, they were sinners. They, were, they had a reputation that was negative. And, and yet, Lord, you sought them out. You desired to, to get to know them. You desired to reach them. You desired to set them free. And Lord, we were among those who needed freedom. And you came looking, Lord, and you came and you chose us. You've adopted us. You've, you've set us free. And we thank you that today we can be partaking of this table, the Lord's table. Hallelujah. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, he said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, as we have the bread raised, and we receive this with gratitude, we eat this together with a glad and a sincere heart, knowing that, God, that because of what you have done for us, we are now a part of your wonderful family. You have, you have lifted us up out of the mire and the muck. You have set us on a firm foundation for our lives now and forevermore. And what a great hope that we have because of Jesus. And so, Lord, bless this portion of of our, of our fellowship today. And Lord, may we eat it with a, with a celebratory hearts today, with praise on our lips, joy in our hearts, with gratitude we receive it. Blessed we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive this together. Just thank Him. Just praise Him. Thank you, Lord, for your body broken for us. Thank you for taking punishment on our behalf that we could be free. Hallelujah. Paul also writing, he says, in the same way after supper he took the cup, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And I'm going to ask Carol on the piano if you would just ask God to, to bless this portion this morning. Amen. Thank you, God, for your blood. Mm. Uh, thank you for the washing it does. Not only the sin, but the guilt, the condemnation. We just receive that. We receive the life-giving blood. Thank you for that, what was poured out for us. And we just receive that for anything we need, anything that needs to get washed over. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's drink together. Hallelujah. And Paul says, for whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
We're making a statement today, aren't we? As a church, when we gather together, we're, we're, we are proclaiming. We're proclaiming the Lord's death. But we're not just proclaiming the Lord's death, we're proclaiming the benefits and the blessings of what He has done for us. And one of those blessings and one of those provisions, I believe, is that God desires to not just set us free from this, from uh, that indwelling sin, but He wants us to set us free from the consequences of sin. And one of the consequences of a sin-cursed world, folks, is, is disease and it's illness. And it's not just physical, it's, it's mental. We've got problems with mental health in our nation. Maybe, maybe even how you see yourself, but I want you to know this morning that as we were mentioning earlier, our God is huh, cancer, mental health problems, discouragement, depression, anxiety. It's no match for him because he's a stronger man. He's a stronger man and there's no demon in hell that can stand in the presence of Jesus. They got to go. They got to flee. They got to run. And we have power available to us this morning. So if you're here today and you need prayer, I don't want to close this service without praying for people. Can we do that this morning? If you're here and you have a need, we want to pray for you. We want to believe that God can meet you here. He can meet you anywhere, but something really nice when we gather together like this and we just pray one for another. Can we do that this morning? Glad to be back. I'd like to let everybody know uh, that uh, I've been uh, having some problems. Um, I had some things stolen from my vehicle, and uh, it just set me backwards, thinking, my gosh, what are we going to do with these people? Some of the thoughts I had were not, we're not the enemy against these, these type of people. So right now, I just want to say a prayer for these people. As I walk with Christ, so too shall I act like Christ. And I forgive you for your theft of my property. I will not forget, therefore, the knowledge that gained and the wisdom I learned will, will have meaning. I pray, Lord, that you will protect the people in the area that I live at uh, from these individuals. At the same time, Lord, I ask you to uh, provide them with financial prosperity so that they will not have to steal from, from people. Um, in your name, Lord, thank you.